So today we're continuing our study in the book of Colossians. And uh, we wrapped up chapter 1 last week, and so we're going to jump into chapter 2 this week. And the title for today's message is In Him. In Him. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. If you don't have your Bible with you, we've got plenty of them there on that table on your right-hand side. Or you can follow along on the screen. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church whom he'd never met. And he did that, right? He never met them in person. And yet he agonized for them. He agonized for the church at Laodicea and for all the believers who'd never met. Now the Greek word used for agonized, it means to strive. It means to struggle, to have a deep conflict over. Paul had a strong, heartfelt connection to want to see these believers encouraged and knit together with strong ties of love. And you know, when we're discouraged or when we're down, when we're down about stuff, we are easy targets for our great enemy and Satan. We need fellowship with other believers to be encouraged and to be able to endure the storms of life. And you know, this week, I was going through discipleship with Matt. Where are you at, Matt? Love you, man. We're doing the, the discipleship curriculum together, and we're on lesson four. And in lesson four, it talks about spiritual reinforcement. You know, when I heard those words, spiritual reinforcement, it really resonated with me because I thought about, you know what? You and I are in a battle every single day. We're in a war. And sometimes when you're in war, you're going to run low on ammunition. You're going to run low on supplies. You may even run low on morale. And you know what? You need spiritual reinforcement. That's the encouragement that we get from our brothers and sisters in Christ. There is strength in numbers. Listen, the enemy wants us to think that we don't need other people, that we can just go it alone. I've heard so many people tell me, I don't need to go to church, I can study at home. And then they proceed to blast the church, and they talk about, well, the church is this or the church is that. I've heard that a lot. And it's frustrating when you hear that. Let me tell you something about that kind of thinking. Not only is that kind of thinking selfish, it's also extremely foolish. God didn't make us to be independent. He made us to be interdependent. He made us so that we need each other. We were made to rely and depend on one another. The Bible tells us over and over again to encourage one another, to build each other up, and to love one another. How can we effectively do that if we're not spending time with one another? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon. Look around, you can see the birth pains. They're getting worse, aren't they? The moral decay in society today is like at, at epidemic levels, isn't it? 
He's coming back. So we shouldn't neglect the meeting together so that we can encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter, or chapter 5, verse 11, it says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you're already doing. And I look inside the church, so often I've seen, instead of building up, I've seen a tearing down. It's really unfortunate. Some of you have got some deep wounds, I'm sure. You know what that's like. Some of the deepest wounds I've ever had in my life come from within the church. Listen, we need to be building each other up, not tearing each other down. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Encourage each other daily, while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Do you know, sin is lurking behind and around every corner. Satan and his minions are looking for any and every way that they can to deceive us, to draw us in, to capture our heart. You know why? Because when your heart gets into sin, what happens? It gets hardened. That's a danger. It's a real danger. That's why we need to encourage each other daily. Paul says in our text that he wants to see everyone knit together by strong ties of love. Knit together. By the use of those words, we get this picture of unity, right? It's of unity when you're knit together like that. And it's truth and it's love. That's what brings the unity. That's what keeps us connected like that. That's what we're going to continue to foster here at the remnant. Unity. Jesus, family, fellowship. We must be knit together. That's how God wired us. To be connected and in community with each other. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, From Him, meaning Jesus, From Jesus, the whole body fitted and knit together by everyone or by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. You know, we each have a function within the body. All of us do. You and I both have a function that makes us dependent upon one another. And the body of Christ is built up when each individual part functions or works as God designed it. So we build each other up. We encourage one another. And we love one another by being knit together. Paul is reminding his audience that love is the glue that holds us all together. Love for the Lord and love for each other. Now Paul goes on to say in verse 2 of our text, I want them to have complete confidence. In the New King James, it actually renders complete confidence as full assurance. This complete confidence, this full assurance, is in understanding the fullness of the gospel. The gospel was God's plan from the very, very beginning. And God chose His Son, Jesus, to complete this plan. In Him is the secret to truth, to knowledge, and to life. When Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is clearly saying that there's no other way, that there's no other truth, and that there is no other life apart from me. Paul desires that those that he is speaking to to have complete confidence, full assurance in two things. Number one, Understand the fullness of God's plan, the gospel. 
Because when you understand the fullness of God's plan in the gospel, that leads into number two, which is the full assurance of salvation. You see, when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, that's what broke the fellowship with God. Because before that, they were in perfect harmony, weren't they? There was no sin. God and man walked together. It was awesome. But unfortunately, we know the story. We know Adam and Eve, they sinned. That's what broke fellowship because sin separates. It's sin that separates us from a holy God. And there's nothing that you and I can ever, ever do to restore that fellowship on our own. The Pharisees had it all wrong in their thinking. They thought by following the law that they could have fellowship with God. The only way to have fellowship with God through the law is to follow it completely and perfectly. And we know that there's no man in history that could ever do that. Not in the past, not in the future, not even in the present, except for Jesus. The law doesn't, wasn't given so that we could follow it to get to heaven. The law was given to show us how sinful we are and to show us that we need a Savior. That's why it was given. And God, knowing that we could never save ourselves from our sins, He made a way when there was no way. He sent His one and only Son to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Jesus lived a perfect life in complete obedience to His Father, fulfilling all the requirements of the law. He willingly and He humbly died on the cross for us. He paid the penalty for our sins, That's our sins from the past, the present, and the future. He did all of that by his death on the cross. And by the power of God, he rose from the dead after three days, defeating death, hell, and sin forever and for all time. That was God's plan, to give us eternal life through faith in his Son. When we believe and we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, by His grace, through our faith, we now have God's law written on our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we live by our love for God, and it's His love that drives us to obey Him. We don't obey to earn His favor. We obey because we love Him. Again, we go back to the strong ties of love that Paul was talking about in our text. Love is the driving force that unites our hearts with each other and with Jesus. Now, once we fully understand the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to save us from our sins, we can then move on to have full assurance of our salvation. This is absolutely critical to our faith. We don't have to wander around worrying about whether we are saved or not. The bottom line is, if you have Christ, then you have salvation. So if you want to have complete confidence in your salvation, then remain in Him. As long as you remain in Him, you can have complete confidence. You can have total peace of mind, full assurance that you will be with Him in heaven for all eternity. Complete confidence is knowing Christ. And knowing Christ is eternal life. Knowing Christ is all about having a personal, intimate relationship with Him. And when you know Him, you will love Him. And when you love Him, you will obey Him. It's as simple as that. John 
says this in 1 John chapter 5. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Now let me pause here for a moment. Let's focus on the word believes. Because unfortunately, there's a lot of misunderstanding about that word. So many people think, oh, all you got to do is just believe, man. You're going to heaven. True, if you know the full definition of believe. Biblical belief is not simply intellectual acceptance. It's not having this head knowledge about Jesus or knowing all kinds of facts about Jesus. Biblical belief is actually knowing Jesus. It's having a relationship with him that is motivated by love. Biblical belief is best defined as, you can put this in your blank, faith in action. That's biblical belief. That not only means that there's intellectual acceptance, but there is also a wholehearted dedication of one's life to Jesus. To have biblical belief is to be a fully committed follower of Jesus. When we are a follower of Jesus, we are a child of God. And we love him and we love his people. Now if I continue on in our text and it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. You know why they're not burdensome? Because it's not like you've got to open your Bible and see all these lists of commands, is it? Jesus made it very simple. He summed up the whole law. And what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So there's the commandments. Love God, love people. That's how simple it is. Our love for God is measured by our obedience. In other words, our love for God requires action. And that action is our obedience. Now let me be clear. Our obedience is not the means to our salvation, but is the evidence of our salvation. Let me say that again because it's so good. Okay, Our obedience is not the means to our salvation. It is the evidence of our salvation. In other words, our obedience is the proof that we're saved. Now, if I continue in verse 4, it says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this through victory through our faith. And then verse 5. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe. In other words, only those who have faith in action that Jesus is the Son of God. If you started in our discipleship program, then you know that one of the first few verses that you've got to memorize is 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 12, which says this. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Do you get that? In Him. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. The Bible's very clear, isn't it? You've got Jesus, then you can have full assurance of your salvation. No Jesus, no assurance. Then John follows this verse up to remind us why he's written what he's written, so that we may know that we have eternal life. 
Not that we think we have it, or that we hope we have it, that we know that we have it. Here's what he says. 1 John 5, verse 13, he says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. The Bible is very clear on us having complete confidence, that full assurance in God's plan for our salvation. And when we fully understand this and we accept it, then we can know that we know that we're saved. You want to go on a good study? Read the book of 1 John. That will give you full assurance because John talks all about it. I love the book of 1 John. Someday we're going to do a study in the book of 1 John. Mark my words, we're going to do it. The last few words that John says in this text is for us to continue to believe. How do you continue to believe? It's like I said earlier, remain in Him. Remain in Him. You see, complete confidence, full assurance is only found in Him. In Him is the forgiveness of sins. In Him is the only way to heaven. In Him is true life, meaning, and purpose. In Him is the fullness of joy. In Him is the hope of glory that we talked about last week, right? You guys remember, the hope of glory. I just had to say that again. And watch this, I got one more for you. You ready? This is going to be the final verse of our text today. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 3, it says, In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Isn't that awesome? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. Do you see how comprehensive that is? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not just some, not just a little, but all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. The wisdom and knowledge, it was hidden. It was a mystery. And then it was revealed to the world when Christ came. That was God's plan. We remember from last week that word mystery, right? Anytime you see that in the New Testament, that is talking about something that was hidden that has now been revealed. And it was revealed through Jesus Christ. Okay, now this is what I was, I was looking forward to right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 says that if the rulers of this age had known this mystery, then they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, when I read that, I thought immediately back to last week in which we talked about the hope of glory. And now we see Jesus as the Lord of glory. He is both the hope of glory and the Lord of glory. Any of you excited about that? Come on. <laughs> I mean, we, should, we could make this floor rumble with that right there. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When something is hidden, that means you've got to go to work to find it, doesn't it? You know, when I was thinking about hidden treasures, I was thinking about a miner. A miner who goes down into a coal mine or something, or a gold mine or a silver mine, they've got to get all their garb on, right, and their helmet and all their stuff. And they're down there digging and picking and all that to find little treasures, aren't they? They could spend their whole life in a mine finding, looking for treasures. You know why? Because there's a lot of dirt on this earth. It would be an unending thing to be looking for treasures, wouldn't it? That kind of reminds me a little bit of our relationship with Jesus. You can spend your whole life searching to know him because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in him. And no matter how mature you become in Christ, there's still more for us to learn, isn't there? 
That's awesome. We can spend our whole lives searching for his wisdom and knowledge. In Romans chapter 11, verse 33, it says, Oh, the depths of the riches of both of his wisdom and knowledge of God. Knowing him is deeper than anything we could ever fathom. In him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That means that you're not going to find true wisdom or knowledge outside of Jesus. We must be in him. We've got to be in him. What can we discover by being in him? That's a question I pose to you on your handout. We're going to let the word of God show us. What can we discover? Here we go. Romans chapter 3, verses 22 and 24. It says, The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, they are justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When we have faith in Him, we have redemption in Him. What is redemption? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 tells us what it is. It says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, which is the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Redemption is the forgiveness of our sins by the payment that Jesus made for our sins, and that payment was made by His precious blood. If we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then in Ephesians 1, and, uh, chapter 1, verse 13, you see this. In Him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. We are sealed with the promise, aren't we? Amen. We are deserving of death, but if we're in Him, we have eternal life. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there it is, in Him. We must be in Him, and when we are in Him, then there is never any condemnation, no matter how much the enemy smears us or accuses us. You may feel unworthy. You may feel shameful, embarrassed, all of that, but stand on the promises of God. Watch this, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, in Him. We do not need to shrink back in fear or shame. We can boldly come to Jesus, can't we? Now, it wasn't always that way. 2 Corinthians 3.14 says, For to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. You see, in the days of the Old Covenant, there was a temple. And in the temple was a veil that would hang, Right? And the only way that you could experience God's presence is to go behind the veil. And the only one that could go behind the veil was the high priest. He was the only one that could go behind that veil. But guess what? Now that we have Jesus, He is our high priest. And when He hung on the cross, what happened to the veil? It was torn from top to bottom, wasn't it? Because now you and I have direct access to boldly go into the throne of grace. And we can call upon our Lord God, Heavenly Father. I'm getting too excited up here. <laughs> because when you're in him, that's what happens, right? It's the joy of the Lord. I lost my place completely on that. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This means that we leave our old lives behind. When we're in Him, we're a new creation. And then Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, in Christ. When we're in Him, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Isn't that awesome? Every spiritual blessing. Not just some. You get them all. We must be in Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Do you hear that? All the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. Why would we want to be anywhere else other than in Him? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Him. Every spiritual blessing is available to us in Him. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. When we believe and we receive Jesus, we are in Him. But how do we stay in Him? How do we stay in Him? 1 John 3, 24 tells us, The one who keeps His commands remains in Him. And He in Him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit that he has given us. So we come right back to our obedience again. That's how we remain in him. Because when you know him, you will love him. And when you love him, you will obey him. We don't obey to earn his favor. We obey because we love him. So we should be spending our entire lives here on this earth getting to know him because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Him. And we can't do this by ourselves. We need the encouragement that comes from being knit together with other believers because God didn't make us to be independent. He made us to be interdependent. He made us so that we need each other. And when we're in Him and in fellowship with other believers, we will be putting our faith in action. And by doing that, we can have complete confidence, full assurance in God's plan for our lives. Because complete confidence is knowing Christ. And knowing Christ is eternal life. In Him is the only place to be. Are you in Him? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you've given us the gift of eternal life in you. We thank you for that truth, Lord. And there's a lot of things in the world that scream at us and make us think that we can have fulfillment in those things. But there is no fulfillment apart from you. We can live our whole lives chasing what we want, to, what we desire, what our hearts desire, what our goals are in life. But without you, it's empty. There's nothing that means anything if we're not in you. And so I pray right now, if there's someone here that has never committed their life to you completely. And they're not in you, but they want to be in you. If that's you, all heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, I just ask you, raise your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else want to make that commitment today to follow Jesus and put their complete lives and trust in Him? Anyone else? 
want to make sure today I'm patient. I could sit up here all day and wait. We're going to keep our eyes closed, our heads bowed. Anyone else, you feel the Holy Spirit maybe right now tugging upon your heart, knowing that you've got to be in Him. That's the only way. If you're here today and you say, I want to make that commitment, I'm not putting it off anymore. I don't want to be distracted by the world anymore. Anyone else want to make that commitment today? Okay, if you're ready for that, then pray this prayer after me. Father, I recognize that I am a sinner and that I am in need of a Savior and I cannot save myself. So I'm going to put my complete trust in you today. I ask for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess them before you, all of them. You know what they are. And I stand upon the promises of God that tell me that if I put my trust in you and I give my life to you, that I am saved based on what you did for me on the cross. And so I do that now. I give you my heart. I give you my life. So if you prayed that prayer, whether you raised your hand or not, welcome to the family of God. Anyone else that's here as you think about what you heard today and maybe how God is stirring your heart to remain in Him? Because you know it's easy to get distracted in this world and you say, Father, I need to put my complete trust in You. Anyone want to make that commitment today to remain in Him? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You in the back, I see you. Thank you. All right. Father, I pray for all of us that have acknowledged that we need you. We need to remain in you. And I pray, Jesus, that you'd fill us with your spirit, that you direct our hearts, that we can walk with full assurance, complete confidence in who you are based on our faith of being in you. And help us, Lord, and not just take this as a feel-good message and walk out of here and do nothing with it. Help us to actually put faith in action. And we'll commit our lives to you now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.